Bibles to Genesis chapter 26. If you have your Bibles with you today, starting out in verse 1, I'm going to read the first few verses here as we get going. There was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gerar, or Gerar. And then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you, just anoint me today to preach your word. God, help me to deliver your truth. Help me to speak things that are accurate or penetrable in the way that change lives, change hearts, and just open people's eyes, all of our eyes, into the things that you have prepared for us, that you have promised us, and that you've chosen to bless us with. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. You know, it's amazing to me how many times that we go about just the, the days and our normal lives, uh, that you hear people say things like, God bless you, you know? I mean, I think I might have even said it to somebody this morning that sneezed downstairs. God bless you, right? And we say, well, how you doing? Oh, I'm blessed today, you know? And we, and we say things like that, which is great. We say we're blessed or we, we say God bless you. And I mean, even a lot of times people that, that don't even believe in Christ or don't even follow the Lord will use terminology like that just as a reflex or a reaction to things. And I'm not opposed to that. I think that's wonderful. I love to hear the Lord's name said. And, I, you know, I think that that's great. I always enjoy it when people say something like that. But my question to think about today is, you know, when we say that or somebody else says, says that to us, do we really understand what is being said? Do we really, really grasp the, the implications of what it means to be blessed? In the New Testament, the, work, the word for being blessed is actually a Greek word that's called eulogio, And it comes from the two root words, N-E-N, which means uh, to impart or to transfer. And then it means in the word eulogio, which means a benefit or a blessing. And so when we say that we are blessed, what that means is that somewhere along the line, something of value, something of merit, something of blessing has been passed on, transferred, or imparted to us. Are you with me? Somewhere along the line, we got something if that is actually true. But let me go a step further and ask you to think about this. It's not just that we've received something or that maybe something has been imparted to us, but who is it that actually has done the imparting? Because it's in the one who gives the blessing that actually adds the authenticity and the genuineness of that. And so when we look at this story in Genesis chapter 26, we see that, that Isaac, what, he's in a situation, there's a, there's a famine in the land where he is living. And, and the famine is severe. And so when we know about famine, what we understand is, is that that also means that there's drought. There's dryness. There's barrenness. There's a lack of harvest, a lack of crops. People most likely are dying of starvation. They're suffering from not enough water to drink. It's a terrible time to be living in. It's not like today in our modern society 
when things are rough, people still can get to what they need. It's, you know, it may be troubling or difficult at times, but most often it's not the case where people's lives are actually being threatened by these things. And this is absolutely the scenario that Isaac is in. Their lives are being threatened. And so he's thinking about, you can see the Lord says, don't go down to Egypt. Isaac's thinking about fleeing from the place he's in and, and actually migrating, if you will, over to Egypt. Because in Egypt, it's a much more civilized place. They have more sources of running water, food stored up and supplied. It's better chances of survival if they go. And the Lord says, don't do that. Now, it's important to note that there are times when the Lord did ask people to flee. In fact, Abraham, there's a story whenever there was a famine in the land, and Abraham did flee to Egypt. So it's not that we don't ever leave a place that we're in when things are not going well. I just want to make that point. But we go as the Lord leads, right? If the Lord calls us out, we go. If the Lord says to stay, what do we do? We stay. And in, in, in this situation, I think it's interesting because the normal thought process, the normal reaction, the normal course of action would be round up our families, round up our loved ones, and let's head to the place where we've got the greatest chance of survival, where our needs, the sufficient needs that we have can be met, the food, the water, and all those things, that we don't die out here in this barren land. But the Lord says, no, don't, and stay. And anytime the Lord does something like that, there's always a lesson in it. How many people know that, right? He says, no, don't. Stay in the, the terrible place. Stay in the barren land, in the land of famine, in the dry place. But he says after that, in conjunction with that, if you dwell in this land, I will be with you and I will bless you. See, there was a promise that was made to, the, to, to Isaac's father Abraham that his descendants would be blessed. And Isaac was an heir to that promise. And so the Lord is, he's basically reaffirming, he's reminding Isaac, listen, I'm telling you to stay. And I know what I'm saying, I'm paraphrasing, I know what I'm saying sounds crazy but in the same sentence of telling you to stay, I'm reminding you that I'm going to bless you. And how many people know that what the Lord blesses cannot be cursed? That's kind of the, the nature of the message that I'm going in today is what the Lord blesses, no one can curse. And sometimes I think we can move along and we can get into trials and difficulties and situations in our life. And we can get caught up in the nuances of those things and the details and the circumstances. And we can just forget in the midst of all that chaos wait a minute we are blessed we are a blessed people because we are children of God and as children of God we are heirs it says in the Bible heirs in Christ we are inheritors of a blessing that comes along with that just the same way that Isaac is an heir to Abraham and in the lineage of that blessing now I don't want to get too complicated because we're going to talk about the Old Testament covenant and New Testament here but we can kind of contrast those two but I want to apply this message to our lives today in a way that says listen we are heirs to 
to Christ, then we are inheritors of a blessing and, and, and a covenant that's been made, not by our merit, by, but by grace and through faith, right, by the blood of Jesus, and that we are a blessed people. In the midst of a valley, in the midst of a desert, in a famine, in a wasteland, you can bet every last bit of things you have that no matter what, if you stay in faith, you will be blessed. And I think God goes to an absolute extreme here to demonstrate that point. He could say, hey, you're blessed. I mean, he said that in other times. But he's going to ask Isaac to stay in a place that people are most likely dying of starvation and suffering from drought when there's a place that they could very well go to and travel to and most likely survive. And God's going to say, no, I'm going to ask you to stay here and then I'm going to demonstrate how you are blessed because I say you're blessed if you'll stay in faith on that. How many people, amen? And he says dwell here. That word dwell actually means to occupy or to habitate. So he's saying abide in the blessing here. Stay here and just live in the blessing, this covenant that I've made with your father, that I've made with you. Don't, don't walk out from under it. Don't leave it because I'm asking you to stay in this place. Habitate or abide in the blessing that I am giving you. And then he goes on to say here, also in verse 3, he says, For you and your descendants I will give all these lands, and I will perform the oath which I swore to your father Abraham. Now, I want you to, oh boy, we're running out of time. I want you to, um, to catch something here. When he says, I'm going to perform this oath, that word perform means to be kind of an ongoing accumulation type of thing. And when we look at the way the blessing of God looks as it relates to our lives, what I've found is that it's not so much as it's like a one-time event where God just shows up and then we say, oh, we got blessed. That happens. But when he says, I will perform this oath, meaning I will continue to bring it forth, I will continue to pour it out on you, I will continue to bless you by my hand, what we see is that as long as he stays in the blessing and stays in faith under that, that there will actually be in a sense, like an accumulation of blessing, like a building up and a storing up or a spreading out of the things that God is blessing us with. You see where I'm going with this, maybe? Yeah. So we're moving today, uh, right now. This week we close on our house over here in Waterloo, and so we've been packing a bunch of stuff up. And i got to tell you, it is amazing how much stuff you accumulate. I mean, you give yourself a place with rooms, you're going to fill it with stuff. No matter how hard you try not to, it just gets filled. And I mean, we go, we're going in every room, and there was, there was almost no place left to put anything. And I'm like, where did we get all of this stuff? I oh, only got this from here and this from there, and somebody gave this. Somebody, and, and it's just like whatever we had room for got filled up with stuff. And as long as we stayed there, it just continued to spread out. And when we walk in the blessing of God that we have because of Christ, did you know that there is an accumulation 
and a filling up oh, in our lives, a spreading out of the blessings that just continue to mount on top of blessing, on top of blessing. That's how good the Lord is. He doesn't just come along every now and then say, mm, I'm going to throw a blessing their way because they're kind of light on what they need. If we stay in that blessing, it just continues to like swell in our lives and spread out. And I love that. That's the life that Christ died for you and I to have. That's how good our God is. He wants us to live in a way where the blessings are not just enough to meet our needs, but to where they're overflowing and spilling out so much that we don't have room to contain them, the Bible says. Another place it says, given and it'll be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing. And overflowing. And Isaac goes on to see this. If you jump down in verse 12, listen to this. Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and then the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. He says it three times in the same sentence. The man prospered and continued prospering and became very prosperous. Do you see the accumulation? It wasn't a one-time event. This was continuing to grow and swell and expand in his life. Listen to this. He had possessions of flocks, possessions of herds, and a great number of servants. It says the Philistines envied him. Herds, flocks, servants. I mean, he's got, it's not just the bare minimum needs here. He has servants, hundreds of them. He's overflowing with blessing. You see that? He's been walking under the blessing of God. And let's go back to the other point we began with. In a barren, dry, deserted land. A land where famine is plaguing thousands of people. And this man is being blessed exorbitantly by the hand of God. He's been increasing. Now, think about this. I studied this up a little bit. He was blessed a hundredfold. He sowed in the same year, and he was blessed a hundredfold. Now, first of all, let me say, he's sowing in a dry, deserted land. Do you realize the kind of faith that it takes to do that? He heard from God, and, he, and God reminded him, um, you're blessed. And the whole idea that he is blessed supersedes all of the other natural earthly conditions that are going on. Oh, that ground is hard as a rock. Oh, but I'm blessed. This hasn't rained in months. There's no, oh, but I'm blessed. There's just no way that I'm going to be able to do this. Egypt is just a little ways away. Oh, but God said to do it. He said to stay. Okay, so I am blessed. Right? All these other conditions, just they sort of just fizzle out and fade away into the background of what the word of God that comes to him and says and how important it is in his life. He reaps a hundredfold in the same year. Now, farmers today measure the harvest a lot differently than 
they did years, thousands of years ago. Uh, from my best accounts of talking with a lot of people that farm, it's something that interests me. So I always ask a lot of questions is that, you know, they figure out, okay, what is the time that I have in? What's the cost that I have in like the seed, the fertilizer, you know, all the equipment depreciation and everything like that. And then I figure what I get from that crop. And then when I get the money that I cash in on and I pay off all of my expenses, what I have left over, that's kind of my return. That's, you know, if you spent $10,000 uh, to do something, and then you made thirty thousand on the crop, and then you get rid of your ten, you have twenty left over. That's like a twofold return, right? You got twice what you put in, and that, by the way, is pretty good. Am I right, Ferd? You double what you put in. I mean, that is a good return, twofold. Do you understand the magnitude of what's happening here in the effort that God is going to show us what it means to be blessed? He reaped a hundred fold in the same year that he sowed in a barren land. It's unheard of. It's unheard of. No one has ever even seen anything, most likely, that even comes close to this. A hundredfold. That's like saying that the economy crashed and someone took $10,000 and invested it and got a million dollars before the end of the year probably in like six or seven months. What would you call a person like that? Your friend, probably, right? <laughs> Somebody you want to be friends with. $10,000 in a million. A hundredfold. It just blows me away. God goes, when he goes to extremes like this, he is trying to make a very important point. That's a pattern through scriptures. There's, you know, God, he wants to show us where he does miracles and he, where he does things. But there's times where he just goes to absolute extremes to really draw our attention to some lessons and things that he wants us to see. And he chooses to take this man who very easily could take all of his family and all of his servants, all the people that are close to him and go down to Egypt and they could probably make it just fine. He says, stay in a place where people are dying and sow seed on hard, rocky ground that in natural senses makes no sense at all. And then he blesses him a hundredfold. Unbelievable. But you know what? Isaac had to sow the seed too, didn't he? He had to take the first step to break that ground. It isn't like he just sat back and, and crops came up out of the ground. Isaac sowed and he sowed in faith. And did you know with the laws of principles of reaping and sowing, God brings the increase. We know that, but we have to do the sowing. And when we sow, we sow in faith, right? Let me make another point here. I'm going to jump over quickly. If you'll go to Matthew chapter 13 with me. There's not a lot of places in the Bible where we see something about a hundredfold return. It's very rare, as a matter of fact, but... In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is talking about the parable of the soil. Verse 8, when he says the seed, you know, it falls on rocky ground, thorny ground, some different things happen to it. But when seed, and the seed is the word of God, right? When the seed fell on good ground, it yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Jump over to verse 23. He who receives the seed on good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed, indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. See, the word of the Lord came to Isaac. 
It came to Isaac to stay to remain. The word of the Lord came that said to Abraham, you're going to be blessed. You, the word of the Lord has come to you and I. We are a blessed people. We are blessed because we are children of God. We are heirs of that. And when the word of God comes and we receive it and we allow it to take root in our hearts and we believe it and we move according to faith by that word, the harvest that we can see in our lives can be as much as a hundred fold. And that doesn't just equate out to monetary things. That, that covers the full gamut of every last element or uh, facet of our lives. Relationships. You will receive such joy and happiness and, 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 and blessing in your relationships. No different than in your finances or your, your business or your ministry or anything like that. God wants to bless us. And what he says is blessed cannot be cursed. Now verse 15 back to Genesis chapter 26. The Philistines had stopped up all the wells that the, his father uh, servants had dug in the days of Abraham and they had filled them with earth and Abimelech said to Isaac go away from us for you are much mightier than we see he's telling Isaac now they're saying listen you need to go you need to just get away from us because you're much mightier or your expanse is far greater see here he is he's he's accumulated the blessings have accumulated and spread out and filled up now to where he is now outgrown the surroundings that he's in the blessings of God have now spread out in his life so much that he needs to now expand and increase his borders and his territory to now open up the container for more blessing to be spread out into. Right? How many people know if you take a 12-ounce glass of water and you fill it up with 12 ounces, it's full and you're done? But if you take that same glass of 12 ounces and you dump it into a gallon jug, now you have room for more water, right? You can fill it up again. That's what's happening. He's, the blessings of God as a result of him walking in faith and under the blessing have spread out and increased to the point he can't contain it anymore in the place that he is. God's going to move him out of here. He's going to spread out his borders and his parameters so that he can just keep filling him up with more blessing and keep accumulating and keep spreading out what the favor and hand of God is pouring over his life is. Oh, did you get that? I mean, is that, is that good? I said, that's not bad. That's not bad, right? That's good stuff for me. I don't, I mean, whew, that was my main point too. I'm in trouble. Oh, Father, help me. Bring it home here. All right. Go away for you are much mightier than we. So he goes away and what happens? Let me get, run through this quickly. He, he goes away and he goes to the valley of Gerar. So he was in Gerar or Gerar to begin with, the dry wasteland, the desert, the famine, the place. And now he goes to the valley of Gerar. The valley. of. So it's like, I don't know exactly what that area looked like, but my guess is, is it had to be even worse conditions than the city of Gerar and the surrounding areas were. So now he goes out to the valley. But Isaac doesn't think nothing of it. He just, right, he's walking on out. Because why? Because he's blessed. Doesn't matter where I go. I'm blessed whether I'm in Egypt, whether I'm in Gerar, or whether I'm in the valley of Gerar. I'm blessed because God said I'm blessed. And it doesn't matter what's happening around me because it isn't going to abort the blessing, right? And what happens is he goes out and he digs three wells. The first well he digs, they begin to quarrel with the people in the area around him. And so he just lets them have the well. 
he moves on. And actually, he says here that he called that name of that well Esek, which means coral. He dug a second well, and they quarreled over that one also, and they called that Sitna, which means enmity. And then he finally dug a third well, and then they stayed there because they didn't quarrel over that one. And he called that name Rehoboth. So he dug three wells. The first two, he had quarreling and he had enmity. And so he just let it go and he moved on. Oh, boy, can you feel where this is going? Listen. First of all, these were enemies of his father. They stopped up the wells that Abraham dug. Now, in that time, especially in a dry land like this, where famine happens every so many years and, and drought, a well is like one of the most priceless commodities that you can have to have running water. It's tremendous value. And the Philistines stopping up the wells of Abraham is like, you imagine what that means if somebody just took everything or attacked the reputation of your father or just stole from him or destroyed his business or his livelihood. This is a serious thing. It's not a light issue. They stopped up the wells of Abraham. But, but and in, in many cases, Isaac or, or somebody would go to war over this kind of thing. Most certainly, they wouldn't associate with these people. They wouldn't be around them because they figured they're going to be at, at odds, right, and have all this contention and stuff. But he says, Isaac says, I'm blessed, man. I mean, I, these may be my father's enemies, but God has blessed me, and I am, I am taken care of. I don't care who's around or what's around. God said to stay here. And if it's going to be these people around me, it's going to be these people around me. It's not going to stop the blessing. And then he goes on to dig these wells. And the first well is, is quarreling, and the second well is strife. And then the third well that he digs has running water they don't quarrel over. The lesson in this is, listen, when there are quarreling and enmity around us happening, if we choose to drink, hang around it and stick around it and drink from it, partake of it, then it can mess up the way God is wanting to bless us. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. We just stay away from the quarreling and the enmity and have nothing to do with it. It's a well. It's running water. Do you realize how big of a deal it was that they found running water when they unstopped this thing and got the running water? It was his dad's to begin with. Let it go. Why? My father owns every well in the earth. <laughs> He knows where all the running water in the entire planet is under the ground. If having one well means I'm going to live in quarrel and live with enmity, they can have it. My father will just give me another well. And it's exactly what he does. It's exactly what he does. And I'm not saying there aren't times we don't need to stand up and fight for things. There are. But you know what the difference is? In the times where Israel stood up and fought, God told them to do it. He spoke and told them to do that. He didn't say to do that here. And so Isaac walked away from the quarreling, and he walked away from the enmity, and he moved on, and he found a place where he dug a well, and God gave him another well and another well and another well, and he had running water, and it says, For now the Lord has made room for us. We shall be fruitful in the land. Made room means to... He has expanded our borders to make room for the blessings that are still yet to come. Isn't that awesome? 
He's made room for us. He's expanded our borders because our God isn't done blessing us. And I can tell you this, he ain't done blessing you until you breathe your last breath. And then you're still going to be blessed all the way through eternity after that in a way we can't even fathom right now, right? He's never going to stop. He never wants to stop if we'll just continue walking under and in that blessing in faith. So then he went up to Beersheba. And the Lord appeared to him in that same night, and he said, I'm the father of your God, Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I'll bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. And so Isaac built altars. This is verse 25. Uh, Isaac built altar there and called the name of the Lord, and he pitched his tent, and there Isaac's servants dug a well. See, another well. doesn't matter what's going on, how dry the land is. He doesn't think, well, I, you know, I don't know if we should leave here, even if the Lord is leading, because we got water here. I mean, by now, he's already had three wells. He's just going to, wherever he goes, he's going to dig a well. You know, it fascinates me when people are led of the Lord to maybe go start a, a church in an area where there's poverty. And, and seemingly, there's no way that the church will be able to be supported financially. And they just pick up and do it. People feel called to the Lord to pick up stake and move to an area and start a new business or a new venture or a new place for their family. And they just get up and they just go. And they walk in and it's like they need a well, but they, didn't, they don't have it. They get there. What does God do? He opens up a well. When God is leading, where God leads, he feeds, right? You've heard that before. And God's showing himself out. Oh, miraculous. I just think it's marvelous the way he's doing it. He's showing himself out here time and time again. And listen, what God had reminded him that he was blessed in the beginning. But then Isaac says, for now the Lord has made room for us. We shall be fruitful in the land. And don't miss this. There comes a point in time, many, many times, God will remind us that we are a blessed people. We can pick up his word and we can read it and we can receive it by faith and we can know that we are blessed. But there comes a point in our lives, and I believe that as we grow and mature in our faith, that it's something we need to be more and more aware of, that we can look around us wherever we are and recognize the blessing of God that's there now in our lives. Are you with me? Look around you. Think about your family. Think about your home. Think about your, the blessed hand, your hand being blessed, what you've provided. Think about the things that you are not lacking. You are blessed. Right now, where you are as you stand, you are blessed. And you and I, as followers of Christ, called to be mature believers, to spread forth the message of faith... We need to be able to stand wherever we are, wherever we're led, and at any point in time, look around us and survey the situation and recognize that we are blessed. If we're looking around and we don't see any blessing, any hand of God upon us, and we only see the things that we lack that we're in need of, I'm not saying don't pray to the Father for the things we have need. We know the Bible tells us to do that. But I'm saying if we look around and we don't recognize how blessed we already are, we're missing something. Yeah. We're missing something because we're a blessed people. And we're blessed because God says we're blessed. And it doesn't matter where you stand now or what you're going through or what you've been through. God says you're blessed, you've been blessed, and I guarantee you if you look around and you talk to people that are in worse situations from you, they could point out how blessed you are very easily. How can we not do that for ourselves sometimes? It's amazing, isn't it? 
We need to be able to step up and look around and say that we are blessed. Verse 28, and then the the people that were the enemies of his father that were in the land came to him and said, we've certainly seen that the Lord is with you. And so we say, let there now be an oath between us, between you and us, and let's make a covenant with you that you'll do us no harm. I don't have time to go down here very long, but as enemies... (laughs) recognize how blessed he is and they want to make peace they want to make a treaty because they recognize what god is blessing we cannot curse we can't do anything about the hand of god is on this man's life you know that part of god's blessing to us is that he will do battle with our enemies for us And so many times we wonder how we're going to fight certain battles or someone is attacking our reputation or our well-being or whatever that may be. And the Bible says part of being the blessing of God is that God will fight our enemies for us as we stand in faith. Psalm 23, if you know it, read it with me. He says, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my Enemies, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If you don't recognize you're blessed, when you read that, I don't know what can compel you to see that better. I will prepare a table before you in the presence of my enemies. And that's exactly what's happening right here. Isaac's enemies are like, This dude is, like, blessed. Man, God's hand is all over him. We had better make right with this guy or we're in trouble. And as you stay walking under the accumulated, spreading out blessings of the Lord, your enemies will recognize it too. And they will come to see that it is not profitable and well for them to try and curse and attack whom God is blessing. It's a promise. I'll end with this. Numbers chapter 22 and 23. It's a story of a king of Moab. His name is Balak. And he sees that Israel is coming through the land and they're just, they're wiping out their enemies. So he brings the, the pagan prophet, Balaam, and he says, I need you to do something for me. I need you to go down, make sacrifices, and I need you to curse Israel. I need you to curse this people. They are a threat to us. So he puts his confidence in his faith that somehow he can curse the people that God is blessing. Oh, is he about to figure something out? So Balaam... He's loyal to the king, right? He goes to do this. And listen to what happens. First it says in verse 2, 
22, verse 2, Balak, the son of Zippor, saw that Israel had done, what Israel had done to the Amorites, and Moab was exceedingly afraid of the people because they were many. And Moab was sick with dread because of the children of Israel. Jump over to verse 12. And so God said to Balaam, as Balaam goes out to curse Israel, God meets Balaam, and he says, you shall not go, you shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. So Balaam comes back to, the, to, to Balak, the king, and he says, I, I, I can't, not only can I not curse them, but God has actually told me to bless them. I'm just going to kind of go through the story with you instead of reading all these scriptures. This happens three times. The king, Balak, sends Balaam out to curse them, and instead of cursing them, he doesn't even come back and say, I can't curse them. He actually, the Lord puts the words in his mouth, and he blesses Israel. He blesses them. And the king is like, by the third time, he's like, no. Or the, before the third time, he's like, never mind, don't, don't curse them, just don't bless them. Okay, you're killing me, dude. What are you, you know, we're on the same side, I thought, man, you know. I mean, that's, you, oh, there's a lesson in that. Like, look, you know, Balaam, when he goes out, you hear from the Lord, you hear from the Lord. When you have an encounter, you have an encounter. I don't care how far away from God you are. God touches you, he speaks to you, you have an encounter. It's going to change you. He's walking to the king in the presence of the princes and telling them, yeah, I couldn't curse them, but they're also blessed. And let me tell you what, they're going to destroy you too. That's what he goes on to say. He could have died for that, right? The whole point of all this is, 20, chapter 23, verse 19, God is not a man that he should not lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. And he said, and he will not, has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and he will not make it good? Behold, I have received a command to bless, and he has blessed. I cannot reverse it. What have you done to me? This is verse 11. He said, you took the curse of my enemies, and you look, you have blessed them bountifully. And he said, must I not heed and speak what the Lord has put in my mouth? Blessed is he who blesses you, and cursed is he who curses you, is what God said to them. What God calls blessed, no one can call cursed. And we have to just receive that. See, Isaac was under, he was under an Old Testament covenant here that was made with Abraham. You and I are under a new covenant. It's a blood covenant bore by the blood of Jesus. And you and I are heirs of that covenant as long as we receive Christ as our Redeemer and as our Savior. And not only are we born again, meaning we will live eternally with God in heaven after this earth, but we are a child of God while we walk this earth created by Him. And He says that as long as our feet tread this earth, that we shall be blessed. Stand to your feet today. Let's have the team come back up here. What God says is blessed, no man can curse. Balaam and Balak found that out. The Philistines found that out. Isaac obeyed the voice of the Lord, and he saw it come to pass. Don't miss that point that Isaac was able to hear from God when God said to stay there and not go, Isaac was able to trust the Lord that he would provide, that he would bless, and he had faith that no matter what he couldn't see, what he did see wasn't going to change the blessing. He was able to do all those things because he knew God. He walked with God. 
right? And you and I recognize the blessings that God has given us in our lives as according to his word, not because some preacher up here tells you that, but because you receive it by faith according to his word. His word says that you are blessed and that what is blessed cannot be cursed. And we may look around us at times and we may not recognize the blessing in every moment of every situation. But you and I need to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps in those moments and we need to say, wait a minute. Forget about the circumstances for a second. We'll deal with the lesser priorities here a little later. Let's rise to the place of faith that we need to walk and live in and recognize that right now, as we stand, we...